Welcome, everybody, into the Valley Phoenix Suns podcast. I am Ethan Shutt, joined, as always, by Philip Russell and my brother, Ryan Shutt. Ooh, we we flipped him around. We're, we're making sure we keep things spicy here. I don't want people getting too too used to this, being stale with it. Uh, and so, for that same reason, I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to you guys. Gentlemen, how are we feeling on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day holiday? Feeling great, man. We got some good hangs out this weekend. The whole the whole Valley crew got together and spent time together, and that was really fun. And now here we are sitting around our microphones about to talk Phoenix Suns basketball again. Philip, I'm great. I'm great, but but I'm kind of hungry. So can, can we get going? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yo, what's for I, dinner tonight? Right, I cool. also have plans to wrap this up so we can uh, get to dinner and watch <laughs> some, some Spurs Suns. But... For our Phoenix faithfuls who are there in Arizona, also keeping up with Rams Cardinals going on tonight. A lot of stuff going on for Phoenix sports in general as the NFL has its first ever Monday night football playoff game, which is super weird. But the Manning cast is happening and The Rock is joining. And for that reason, I am in. Uh, Obviously, keeping up with the Suns, of course, because, you know, priorities, podcasts, things like that. But as a football guy, also excited to keep up with that. But gentlemen, we had an interesting week in Suns basketball, and it was far more interesting than I expected when the slate of games for us was Raptors, Pacers, Pistons. I didn't anticipate much coming out of this. I hoped for 3-0. and We got 3-0. and But I thought there was a lot of interesting stuff going on. So before we hop into... What has become the only thing that you can expect on this podcast, which are some highs, some lows, and some just so you knows. Anything really jump out to you this week in in Phoenix Suns basketball, whether that's going all the way back to Toronto or even just the Pistons game yesterday? Nothing like super jumped out at me from those three games, but I would say what what I am most curious about having watched the games this week is the, what's going to happen with the Pacers? Because we, we win the game against Indiana, but my, my question is, with the trade deadline coming up, like, are there any of those guys on that team that you all saw that you'd be like, we've got to make a move for Because Miles Turner and apparently Sabonis now are on the trade block um, from the Pacers. And I'm just curious from what you guys watched, is Miles Turner somebody worth going after? Do you, do you think, um, do you think Tory Craig would be a good fit on the Suns? <laughs> we would welcome him back with open arms. Legitimately, the only, the only two that I think are even, gettable just in terms of what assets would have to be given up and that makes sense would be Craig or Holiday right I don't think anyone on the Pacers that would be in the realm of Suns possibility are gonna be a Turner or a Sabonis or insert anyone there that's making crazy money Levert as well like I think if the Pacers would have any effect on the Suns it would be in a seven through ten role player type person right Nothing, nothing big. And I think that has more to do with the Suns not needing to give assets up and not really wanting to because there's no no real point. Right. When you're when you're number one in the NBA. I think you only make moves unless they're uh, extremely warranted. Philip, you have any thoughts on that? I haven't watched the the Pacers a lot for for those of you who know how League Pass works. The Pacers are a tricky team for us to watch because it has to be a delay. So it has to be like two and a half days after their games. And I'm not a super big fan of going back and watching Pacers games three days yep. later, but, 
But I, from what I know about some of these guys, I am profoundly uninterested in trading anything of value for Miles Turner or Sabonis. We've talked at length already this season on the some of the roster redundancy that the Suns have, and I can only see that being compiled if Turner or Sabonis is traded for. I was just curious because those are the two names that keep getting brought up, yeah. and a report came out from Indiana today that both players they're willing to part with for um, one young prospect and a first round pick, which if in like in the grand scheme of things, doesn't seem like a whole lot to give up for what both of them bring to the table. So I was just curious if you guys had, had given it any, any thought. I think we're all on the same page though, that there is one young asset that most people would consider trading for on Phoenix. And I'm pretty sure he's a, he has a no trade clause from our perspective, right? What, I mean, what would you have to get back to give up Cam Johnson? I feel like I can't answer this question as a honest bystander here. Like my bias is so strong. Like I would, I wouldn't give up much of anything right now, unless you're getting a certified, like whatever you think cam ceiling is, you need to be getting that in return just because, and I know this is going to sound slanderous cam ceiling. In my opinion is slowly creeping up to Mikhail's ceiling. And I wouldn't be shocked if it surpasses it. So for me, there's just no way he's going anywhere. Obviously, Mikhail's not going anywhere. He's already got the bag. Everything else, you know, contractually, DA's the one that doesn't have something locked in. But I think Jalen is Jalen Smith's the only young guy that could be viewed as a trade piece anywhere. And I don't, I don't know what that gets you. And, and the probably the difference in my mind between trading a guy like Cam and trading someone like Jalen, Jalen would be a kind of salary dump for a team where if you're looking at a team like the Pacers who are probably going to pack it in or a Detroit, if they're just trying to take on some expirings, they might um, make a move for a guy like Jalen or someone who has the gumption to try to develop him. But I don't, I don't consider Jalen a young asset yet. Mm -mm. No, I agree. That's an interesting question, right? The Pacers are, Pacers are weird, man. They're 13 games under 500, not looking to get any better and have a whole lot of talent on their roster. So their eventual fire sale will be interesting just to kind of track where everything goes. Um, But no, I I think that's an interesting one. Philip, anything else from this week, kind of whether that's uh, from Toronto or what we watched yesterday with Detroit? I hope Detroit gets good. And I'm not saying that in a, in a trolley way. They were, again, kind of like the Pacers. I don't have a tendency to sit down and watch a ton of Detroit basketball, but it was fun. It was a, I had a good time watching some of their young guys. Uh, I, I might rant and rave about Cade Cunningham getting kicked out of that, getting kicked out of that game, but Hami Diallo and Cade were a joy to watch going toe-to-toe with CP3 and Devin Booker. So it was, it was really, just a really fun week of basketball, especially the Pistons game and the Raptors game were fun for very different reasons, which we'll get into in, in our next segment. But I am genuinely hopeful that the Pistons uh, make some major improvements, at least record-wise, over the next couple of seasons. Did you, and I know you typically don't listen with audio. Did you happen to watch the Pistons game with audio? No, no, no. Okay, that's fine. And that's not a shot at anyone in particular who may. Yes, it is. 
who we <laughs> might lie. who might take shots at me on Twitter and then awkwardly apologize right after, which we still don't understand what happened there. Um, <laughs> I watched that game with audio for a change. I yep. watched it, listened, whole thing, no distractions, no music, no nothing. Um, one, I wanted to let you know that there was a point that EJ made that it sounded like he listened to our last episode, Philip wrote down what you said and then spoke it word for word, which was talking about Jalen Smith's importance on the offensive end when it comes to not just rebounding, but getting those tips and those just hustle plays when it comes to his intensity, because (laughs) it slows the other team down, allows the Suns to get back in their half court set. I mean, it was, it was word for word from our last episode (laughs) the one before where we broke everything down. Uh, But the one thing he said that I definitely agreed with was the Pistons play like the Suns from a couple years ago, where there's a lot of young dudes. They haven't won before, but they aren't jaded enough to think that they can't win any game. So they play hard. And they're also coached by one of my favorites, Dwayne Casey, a Kentucky guy himself, who just seems to get a lot out of whoever he's got. So it was fun, man. The first quarter is one of the most fun quarters of the season. Uh, I think the Pistons shot like 75%. They were hitting a bunch. Book just went nuts. Great game overall. Um, But no, I think there's a lot of good stuff from this week that we'll probably uh, take some points on, talk about a little bit more. Uh, But with that said, that's a bit of a recap. Like we said, win against the Raptors, a close one, which we'll probably discuss, taking care of business against the Pacers and the Pistons. And then as of recording uh, tonight, playing against the Spurs. But that's been this week in Phoenix Suns basketball. Now we move on to our highs, our lows, and our just so you knows. Philip, highs in Phoenix Suns basketball for a week, like you said, where we have a couple games that are about as opposite as possible. But at the end of the day, still enjoyable, still a winning week. What is your high this week for Phoenix Suns basketball? I know there's a push right now to get different Suns players into the all-star game. So there's some energy in the season, but we're getting really close to the dog days of the NBA season, where it's just like the games feel like they don't matter that much. And the the Raptors game early in the week was kind of a slugfest. So to watch a game that starts, what was it? 39 to 35 at the end of the first quarter yesterday was an absolute blast. And I know you just mentioned it, Ethan, but the Suns going 80% from the field in the first quarter and the Pistons matching with 71% from the field was a ton of fun. Booker went for 15 on six of seven from the field. DA was three of three before he, before he went out with his tweaked ankle. Kate had 10 points for the Pistons on four or five from the field. It was a blast. And my favorite part, the ball movement was sexy from the Suns the ball was whipping around. And that is one of my favorite styles of basketball to watch where you can't necessarily look and just say the defense is playing poorly. It's that the ball is moving so fast and from side to side that it's difficult to play defense against the kind of offense that the Suns were playing. So my high for the week is just that first quarter specifically against Detroit because it was a blast. No. I, yeah, I'm, I'm coming right off of, of watching it in full, and it was a lot of fun, man. I, I enjoyed it. That's one where you look at the final score and you see a 27-point win and you assume not much to take from it. But early on, I mean, that was a dogfight, and the Suns continued to do their stuff and do it well. 
to, to hold off long enough to kind of do what they do and put teams away. It also made me think of the 2014, 2015 Kentucky Wildcats with Trey Lyles coming in and getting, getting a good, a good bit of run and also playing the five, which I had never I seen Trey Dude, Lyles okay, play the five was, before then. So I have, I take my notes on my phone during that game and all three of us, and I know Philip probably more back then than you are now, we're Kentucky basketball fans. I, Brian and I, I think saw them play at least mm-hmm. once a year for a good stretch, including seeing Trey Lyles. I could not get over how big he looked on the court. Like that, and I know this is such a stupid, silly point, but that really jumped out to me because Trey Lyles in Kentucky history and then transitioning to NBA very much is known more for being picked one pick before Booker than much else when it comes to pro basketball uh, and doesn't get a whole lot of attention. But he was playing down low and I was like, man, he got like big, but in a good way. Because at Kentucky, a tall, very finesse space with his length and his shooting, but wasn't filled out at all. And it was so weird after not seeing him in so long to see kind of the play style that he has now. Let me let me read off some names for the basketball heads from this Kentucky Wildcats team. Mm. There's there's talk that this might have been the most talented roster in NCAA history. Devin, this is just top to bottom. I don't know. This is this might be alphabetically. I mean, you Devin go, Booker. I was going to say I can I can uh, probably do each platoon, the blue and white platoon, if yep. you want to. But no, yep. yeah, go ahead. So I'll just list the ones that are that matter at this point. Devin Booker in the league, obviously. Willie Collie Stein still in the league. The Harrison Twins, who were good college players. Dakari Johnson, who had a run in the league. Marcus Lee, who could absolutely jump out of the gym. And then Trey Lyles, Alex Poitras, who got some run with the Pacers, Carl Anthony Towns, and Tyler Utless. On a on the same college court, that was stacked. They were too stacked. So stacked that John Calipari went galaxy <laughs> brain, had two full starting rotations, and managed to trick, trick and the if, team. If you ever get the chance to eat to meet Ethan and my father, please never bring this team up to him. No, nope. because I think of all of his years of being a Kentucky fan, this is the team he's most jaded about because of what Devin Booker has become. I think he's convinced that if Devin Booker got <laughs> even 10 more minutes a game, that we would have gone all the way. I have held for a very long time that if Alex Poitras, the, the starting three for mm-hmm. that team, didn't tear up his knee in the middle of that year, they win the title easily yeah easily that season and run the table undefeated but anyways great, great welcome team. back to to end of the valley of <laughs> phoenix team. suns podcast go cats uh, hey famously defeated by phoenix sun frank kaminsky in the final true four. very true connected it all back together uh no ryan i'm gonna i i hope this doesn't annoy you and make you sad but i'm already annoyed and sad go fair for enough it. my high for the week and there's no one else i could pick after watching this pistons game literally within the last few hours campaign had one of the best weeks of, of recent memory within, within everything. And especially since we talked so much about him trying to find his own again and trying to find that groove where he needed to be. And so going back to the Toronto game, very unassuming. The biggest thing is really interesting. Only 15 minutes, two of five from the field, rough game, right? Not not his shining moment. Three assists to two turnovers, a minus 
12th. Awful start. So I was then incredibly surprised and thrilled when he then put together these two games back to back with the Pacers. He was a team high plus 19 with only 11 points. And a big part of that was his five assists to zero turnovers, five of seven from the field, hit his one three. And then against the Pistons, he looked every part as a number two scoring option to start that game, which is just so funny when you see the talent on this team. But campaign went, I mean, he went nuts against the Pistons, and it it was great. He was only a plus nine, which a lot of the big numbers are going to come from the starters in this in this game. That's who kind of pulled away. But he finished with 20 points, five assists to two turnovers, and then his shooting was remarkable. Eight of 12 from the field, three of six from three. Offensively, he had it going. Um, week as a whole, obviously the Raptors front end kind of adjusts some, but still a great assist to turnover ratio. He was getting other people involved and his shot is going down and his threes were going down, which is needed like that, especially with Chris Paul seeming to lose a touch from three this year campaign in the playoffs. I don't, I don't know how many with all the memories that kind of flood your brain when it came to last year's playoffs, but campaign's ability to hit big threes was huge last year, whether that was getting out of some scoring droughts or kind of just turning the tide. And it was great for me to see him kind of find that confidence again during a season where I'm not going to say he's not done well by any means offensively, but definitely didn't look like himself from last year's playoffs. So I was thrilled for him. Other great performances for sure, but that's the one that really jumped out to me, Uh, especially when you look kind of at his shooting splits for the year. Um, overall he's shooting 33% from three within the last 10 games, he's shooting a tick over 40%. So looks like his shooting starting to come back from behind the three, which just opens up everything for him. Thrilled for him. He needed a good week. Um, really, really happy for campaign. Great story. And Ryan, I know you love him, which has made me pay even more attention to him. So again, sorry if I stole your high. Uh, no, I'm glad you did because that actually wasn't my high for the, probably the first time ever. It wasn't <laughs> campaign related. Uh, mine is actually Devin Booker. Um, Sheesh. Because um, if you look kind of at the eye test, especially like last five games, his scoring has been pretty inefficient in a lot of ways. Last five games, starting with Detroit working our way back, we've got 11 of 18, 11 of 25, 4 of 13, 5 of 15, 5 of 22. On paper, not great, but today was named Western Conference Player of the Week, uh, averaging over the last week 27 points per game, almost four and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, shooting almost 46 and a half percent from the field and going three and zero. So just from there, I'm I'm really you know impressed by Devin getting out of what was kind of uh, some inefficient scoring. But in addition to that, I, my high, and I just want to thank Devin Booker for being so whiny in that Toronto game and giving us one of those nights in NBA Twitter that people will remember for a long time because those memes were excellent. And for like the next 72 hours, I was laughing constantly with all the different inflatable Raptors and Jurassic Park jokes. Like as, as much as it was kind of a a sour look for Devin Booker, he handled it well. And what the rest of the NBA did to jump on those jokes was just chef's kiss excellent uh so he is my high this week both for his his accolades as well as his pettiness 
I don't I don't want to stomp on my own just so you know, but I usually have a couple in the chamber just in case. But you made a point that I was going to talk about more later anyway. Devin Booker's usual best weeks or best stints are usually incredibly efficient from the offensive end. And so it's funny to see him get this accolade, one that this is a second for the year, struggles to ever get them over other people. Shooting 46% from the field for Devin Booker is not great. He's incredibly very efficient around the rim, very efficient from those 10, 12 footers. And then his three has increased, but the way he went about it this week, the Raptor game obviously got a lot of attention for a lot of stupid stuff, but also hit some huge buckets down the stretch. If memory is serving, I think he's actually the one that hit the go ahead shot with about a minute left against Toronto. And then in the Pacers game, he had what Philip 22 point third quarter where he kind of just went off. And then in Detroit, if they wouldn't have taken him out for general rest, no, I'm not trying to exaggerate and be stupid here. I think he easily could have gotten to 50. Like he was on one in Detroit, hitting a lot early, talking crap to the fans. He seems to just really work himself out up whenever these young new guys are trying to prove some point to him. His putback dunk, which was just goodness, like. He was on one, like he was going back home. He was on one. I mean, Rip Hamilton's his hero. He loves being there. Didn't get a play there earlier. It was a good week for Devin Booker. But to your point, the it was very much more eye test than it was box score. But I think that's still great, right? That's a very superstar trait to even when you're not always doing what's the norm, you're still to taking care of business. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I love it. I think it's a great point. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and kick us off with our lows. And this is this is an easy one. It's a quick one, but I think it's worth mentioning for those who may not have been keeping up with every game. Uh, DeAndre Ayton goes out about, I think, eight, nine minutes in to the first quarter against the Pistons. He looked great to start that game. Uh, rough, like, first little bit on the defensive end, but then got it going. Phillip was talking already about the incredible ball movement in the first quarter. A lot of that was ending with him having great little sky hooks from four or five feet out. I think he was three for three when he left the game. Uh, he was looking sharp. He asked for a sub. There wasn't some like he's on the ground in agony. He's not asking for help. He kind of just called for a sub, went out. No one really knew what was going on. And then from the TV broadcast perspective, they were kind of speculating and they didn't even realize that, oh, something's happening here until Jalen Smith then checked back in for JaVale. And you kind of saw that that rotation at the five had shifted. Um, Ten minutes ago, the Suns did release the injury report. He is out tonight with an ankle sprain. So it will be something to keep an eye on. I hate that for him. Um, my galaxy brain fan self right now is saying if we can find some optimism That means we are going to get to see more run out of our log jam at five that we talked about so much last week. Uh, Biombo looked good again against Detroit. JaVale looked fantastic against Detroit. And I thought Jalen looked pretty good too. Um, They weren't playing against monster fives in Detroit like they've been battling with the last few weeks. But hopefully this can give some clarity to the front office if they are going to make a decision Or, you know, maybe they learned something that they wouldn't have learned with the minute discrepancy for some of those bigs towards the bottom of the rotation. Uh, But that's my low. I hate I hate D.A. getting hurt. Big men and ankles and feet always make me even that much more nervous. 
But based on the replay, looked like he just landed on, I can't remember if it was Booker or Payne. He landed on one of our guys' feet, kind of rolled it a little bit, took himself out. But no reason to play on a second night of a back-to-back if you're not 100%, but is a bummer for sure. Philip Lowe for Phoenix Suns basketball this week. I did not like the Raptors game. <laughs> it wasn't exactly not, a joyful watch. Not and And more how the Suns played, especially on – the defensive end and specifically getting rebounds and ending possessions. The Suns got out rebounded by eight against the Raptors, which is fine. But here's the big thing. They lost the offensive rebounding battle 22 to 10. And then here's where the stroke of luck happened and allowed the Suns to still win the game. They only lost the second chance points 16 to 11 because Toronto was broke. The Suns did not deserve to win that game by any stretch of the imagination, and they were just fortunate to catch a team on a very cold shooting night. But there were several times where it looked fairly simple, like find your man instead of staring at the ball. But I was I was surprised by that. But then transitioning into something to think about moving forward, I also think it exemplified the need for a bigger guard or wing, someone who can be in there so it's not Chris Paul trying to jump over or jump with like Pascal Siakam when he's on when he's on a switch or some of those bigger wings and guards that that the Raptors had so disappointed in the rebound but even more really hopeful for what the Suns can do with their uh, with their roster over the next couple weeks so I assume you're just wanting Ish Wainwright to start playing the two correct put those shoulders to good use (laughs) he is Big. He's very not sweet. in the. He not seems like a sweet good hoping. guy. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. I actually I had this written down when I was kind of recapping the the Toronto game. This was pulled from uh, one of the recaps. Uh, Phoenix won despite allowing Toronto fifteen more field goal attempts and them grabbing twenty two offensive rebounds a season high. The Suns also committed twenty turnovers, but leading only to eighteen points, which again kind of getting lucky. Uh, and then Monty said in the post-game presser, when you have that many turnovers and you give up that many extra possessions, you'd better be doing something well. I thought our half-court defense was sound. So that's what he kind of accredited to. He's like, we gave him way more opportunities than we ever should have, but at least our half-court defense was on. And, you know, you're holding Toronto to 95 points. That that kind of passes the the quick check there too. Uh, but, yeah, weird weird game for sure. Uh, Ryan, anything, anything on that one or anything you want to move on to with your next low? No, my low <clears throat> kind of follows up on my, just so you know, of last week in which I gave uh, my passionate plea for getting out and voting. And the reason is the NBA all-star fan vote is stupid. It's for Joe awful. Byron. I hate it. Second fan returns have come in and here's where we're sitting with things. It's awful. Uh, in the East with the guards, you currently have Kyrie Irving at sixth place who has played what? three games basically this season who's getting in sixth place getting votes above Derek Rose, Fred Van Fleet, Darius Garland, and Jalen Brown. Outrageous. In the West front court, you've got Andrew Wiggins at third place. That was my personal favorite. Above Paul George, Anthony Davis, Draymond. And then you have Carmelo Anthony at seventh place. And Paul George over, has played like what five games himself? Yes. Over Carl Towns, Rudy Gobert, and Ayton. And then maybe to me the most egregious, you have Clay Thompson in fourth place for the guards who's played all of four games over Devin Booker. And then under Devin Booker, you have Westbrook, who's been a dumpster dookie basketball player 
who's getting votes above Chris Paul, Donovan Mitchell, Dame Lillard, who's out for the rest of the season, and Ant Edwards out of Minnesota. The fan vote is stupid. That's my low. I want to get the Suns fans voting, but who cares? None of it matters. The fan vote's stupid, and that's my low. I hate the fan vote. I hate the fan vote. That's I'm gonna I I'm gonna go ahead and just step into the the just so you knows because I just want to piggyback off that rhyme. Uh, I found this tweet so funny, and I think part of it is I just find Stan Van Gundy funny. Like anytime he does anything, I picture it in Dwight's version of Stan and it's just beautiful. Uh, but he, t- he tweeted out uh, this morning or yesterday morning, the NBA all-star game is for the fans and I'm glad they have the vote, but come on folks, Clay Thompson ahead of Booker, Carmelo Anthony ahead of Cat and Gobert, Irving and D Rose ahead of Van Fleet and Garland do better NBA. Thank fans. you. Thank you. At real Stan VG. That's Stan Van Gundy, ladies you. and gentlemen. I love so, you, Stan, if you're listening. There we go. Uh, well, the just so you knows continue. Uh, Ryan, you got you got one ready to roll before we let Philip wrap it up. Yeah, mine is just a, a quick reality reminder. Appreciate what's happening for the Phoenix Suns right now. We're halfway through January and still only have single-digit losses. This is a special season. There's going to be ups and downs, but enjoy the ride. We're almost to the NBA All-Star break. This is this is a special team, and I just hope you're enjoying it. I'm so sorry. Philip, before I let you close, I re-looked at my tweet. The number one reply to Stan Van Gundy says this. You don't get to tell the fans what players are exciting to them. Isn't that why you have a vote for the non-starters? No one's excited to see Van Vliet, Catter, Gobert in an all-star game. <laughs> They're boring. And then Eddie Johnson at Jumpshot8. Who haunts us in our dreams and our nightmares with his every single game's voice? He goes, Hey, bro, you can vote for who you want to, and we can tell you, you know, Zippo about basketball. (laughs) Case closed. And perfect. Philip, you're just so you know for Phoenix Suns basketball. It's that there are a lot of people who have takes about basketball who don't know how to watch basketball well. But, but here's the deal I'm here to try to make it change positively. I think people feel pressured to have takes about basketball games. So what winds up happening is that even on podcasts, national podcasts, and even team by team podcasts, they wind up just talking storylines and don't actually have anything to say about what's happening on the court. So again, I want to try to help that. Or if you if you hear some of the discussions that we have about on the court stuff, and you're like, that's kind of over my head. I don't understand. I can't engage with this discussion. I have two solutions to start the process of learning basketball better. This week, this week, the Suns are going to play the Spurs tonight. They tip off in just a little bit as we're recording this. The Dallas Mavericks, the Indiana Pacers, and then a week from tonight, finally, finally, the Suns are going to get to play the Jazz and they're going to play the Jazz twice next week. So my assignment for people, if you're interested in getting better at watching basketball is simply this. Watch, pick, and rolls. PNRs is what is the shorthand for that. Watch what your team does when they set a pick and roll. And then maybe even more importantly, watch how your team sets up their defense when the other team does a pick and roll and see what's happening. See if you can notice patterns, see if you can pick up on 
uh, the consistency, or maybe you're going to see that they're mixing it up. So what I'm going to do next week with the Just So You Know segment is I'm going to kind of recap what I saw against the different opponents for the Suns this week and have some comments about how the Suns approach pick and rolls on offense and how they defend them because we're trying to get better. I love that. I know I'm not technically just a listener since I have to do this, but I love it. I'm pumped. I like the idea. I like doing something different. Um, And I'll look forward to doing that. And I will do my best to pay attention to the pick and rolls too. My just so you know is I won't. (laughs) And you know what? I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. I love that about you. I wanted to come in here and just dookie on like a bunch of specific things that I've been hearing the last couple of weeks. And then I was like, no, be solution oriented. Don't just point out problems, point out the problem and offer a possible solution. So again, you want to see in the world, Philip period. Watch the pick and rolls. Cool. I love it. Uh, Guys, we have some basketball to watch in just a few minutes. Want to remind everyone to check out everything on the bright side podcast network. We appreciate being a part of it with SB nation and the whole crew. Um, Follow us on any of those platforms. Follow us on Twitter at at the Valley PHX, or you can follow myself, Ryan Phillip on there as well. And like we said, we got some basketball to watch in just a few minutes. If you are listening to this episode, you might already know how the Spurs game goes, but we'll try to get that uploaded. So maybe you have something to listen to during halftime tonight. Who knows? Uh, Philip, Ryan, anything you want to close with before we wrap it up? Nothing. Love you so much. Go, son. I love you so much. I'm so excited to eat dinner right now. Let's go, baby. Amen. And with Philip and Ryan, I am Ethan Shutt. This is Into the Valley Phoenix Suns podcast. We out.